I'm Joel McKenzie, and this is Arts NW. You're listening to the Arts NW podcast, brought to you by the Arts Council of Newestminster and sponsored by 100 Braid Street Studios. This is season one, where we ask artists what's on their walls. Are the walls of a studio the fridge from childhood, the place we see every day where we put our best drawings? Do they become so mundane that we forget to even look at what we've hung up? Or are they daily reminders, motivational posters that we see just when we need them the most? What about the place itself? Do you need one place to practice what you do? Well, it really depends on what you do. If you're a painter, you probably need a studio where you aren't afraid to splash paint. If you're a musician, you might need somewhere where you can be really loud. A carpenter or a metal worker might need a workshop to do what they do. But what about when your tools don't exactly physically exist? What do poets need? What do actors need? This episode, I talk with Colleen Winton, an actor who grew up and has lived in New West for years. She doesn't need a space, per se. She doesn't need a room where she can be loud, or a bandsaw, or a violin. As an actor and as a director, I am often in a room not of my choosing, because it's wherever the producer or whomever has found space for us to rehearse. Mm-hmm. And so you just you make art wherever you're put, really. And I would say rarely do you draw inspiration from that room. If anything, you're trying to pretend that that room doesn't exist because the (laughs) acoustics are horrible or it's not big enough. So with Colleen being an actor, I wanted to know where she prefers to practice. Do you know, when I can, when the weather is suitable, I like to try and be outside. Oh, yeah. As much as I can. Where we are right now? Where we are right now. It's, you know, we're under the trees. It's nice, got nice breeze going. At night, we have these little lights here, and it's awfully nice. Colleen Winton is an actor who's been in countless pieces of film and television. Well, you can actually count them if you go to her IMDb page. Her acting resume is stretched from this year back to 1977, and she's been in everything from Hallmark movies to The X-Files, Van Helsing, My Little Pony, and Big Eyes. And she's also done many theater works. Just this year, she was in the Ottawa production The Unnatural and Accidental Woman by director Marie Clements. And this month, she was in a production of It's a Wonderful Life by Patrick Street Productions in New West. So we did this interview in the summer when it was warm enough to sit in Colleen's favorite rehearsal space, her backyard. And as we were talking about an inspiring place in her home, I told her about the concept of the podcast, and I asked her what's on her walls. And when I did, she stopped, and she laughed, and she said... Nothing, because because, um, after 25 years in a home that we owned, we're now in a place that we rent, and the landlord we love for many reasons has told us we can't put anything on the walls. So we have many paintings and photos and things that are packed away in bubble wrap and sitting there for someday. But so really, I suppose what's on our wall is 
uh, a television, <laughs> I guess, which I suppose is not inappropriate in that I'm an actor. And right. Okay, so there's not literally anything on Colleen's walls, virtually nothing. But, of course, there's lots of stuff in her house that makes it a, a lovely, warm place to be. Her living room is surrounded by filled bookshelves, acting awards, and pieces of art. This, um, this is a poster that is an old, um, like, fresco painting, I guess you'd call it, from yeah. the Winter Garden in Toronto. The Winter Garden was an old, like, Pantages theater, and back in the mid 80s i was in the canadian premiere of cats oh who, who'd you play oh who didn't I play um oh. <laughs> i was the cover for grizabella um demeter and jenny annie dots oh, so okay. and then i i sang in the in the booth and anytime there's more than two people on stage because there's so much dancing involved yeah there are four people in with the orchestra who are sweetening this the voices. Yeah. Oh, so is that right? when I wasn't on stage playing one of those roles, I was in the booth. Anyway, so this this poster is from the Winter Garden because um, the Winter Garden was called an atmospheric theater where they actually had preserved trees with leaves and birds in cages. Is there one thing in this room that stands out to you as the most unusual? Uh, well, this may be something not everybody has. What is that? <laughs> this is a little. It's it's um it's a crutch. It's right. a Tiny Tim's crutch. Oh, okay. From a Christmas Carol. Yeah. And um, as you can see, it's sort of red and white striped. The yeah. actor who was playing Jacob Marley found it. So how did that end up in your living room? Well, you know, when you're I directed it. So when okay. you're the director, you you know, if it, if it's a piece where where you're doing it on a shoestring, which we sort of were, you collect pieces from wherever, and we weren't a theater company per se so we didn't have storage space or anything so I thought well this piece was too beautiful to um to throw out and who knows we might do it again another year and so let's save the crutch so it just sat by our fireplace here oh, yeah. like tiny Tim's crutch by the fire like, oh, yeah. this, like the story and it's just never moved yeah <laughs> so there we go waiting right. for another tiny Tim so again I need to ask why New West why this town in particular? What makes an artist choose a town? Partly because of um, the expense of um, buying and living in Vancouver. More people are moving out a little yeah. farther. Loads of artists. And so there's now kind of this critical mass of professional theater artists who live in U.S. Minster. So, yeah, we have a community of artists of theater artists here that we get together with all the time and um you know those people used to live in vancouver or north vancouver or, or wherever and now they're all these colleagues who are our neighbors which is fantastic yeah they, that's another theme that that i hear a lot about new west it's that perhaps due to housing prices or a number of reasons artists are coming here and i wonder why it's here because it's not just actors i i see a lot of musicians coming here a, a lot of uh visual artists too want to be here do you think is it something about the the physical size of the city i think that might be part of it it also has some it has some visual charm and appeal to it in terms of being on the river oh yeah uh, i think and it still has a fair 
bit of green space, but it's also really central. It is the, I know this from the film industry, it's the geographic center of the Lower Mainland. If you're filming in Steveston or you're filming in Maple Ridge, it's not nearly as far for you to get there from New Westminster it is, as it is from somewhere deep in Vancouver or North Vancouver or wherever. So that makes it great because it's close to wherever people might work or it has some history it's not I don't know it's it's not sort of sterile and you know built in the 70s kind of thing it seems to celebrate its history and by it I mean the people who live here Mm. seem to really like history and maybe because of the the older buildings and the, the fact that that it was the first uh, capital here for you know the British rule of the Correct. 1800s yeah until they decided they would be safer on an island uh, yeah well and and my history goes back a long way in US Minster my family came here in 1870 it was my great great grandfather who came here oh yeah um, my grandmother was born here my mother was born here so oh our boys are fourth or fifth generation New Westminsterites. I do like that there's history because so many people are kind of, you know, I won't say nomadic, but they're, they, they, they come from somewhere, but they haven't been there for a very long time. And so their connection to a place is only their own response to what it offers them and how they feel when they're there. Whereas mine, mine comes from someplace a bit deeper. And it was interesting I was I had been living as I say in Toronto for some years and I'd come home for Christmas one time and somebody had invited me to a party so you know back back in the days when you pulled out a map to look at where you were going (laughs) and so I had this map out looking for someplace and all of a sudden it was like that scene in a film where the camera automatically just all of a sudden pans in on this like comes comes down to this one point on a map and um I realized here were these great tracts of land that were Burnaby and Coquitlam and Surrey and Richmond and like this tiny little slice that was New Westminster and I thought damn I I grew up in a small town and I never even realized it yeah right so yeah but now I feel like you know New Westminster was a bit sleepy when I grew up here and you'd go somewhere else for your entertainment or whatever and now I feel like it's getting cool yeah it's starting to wake up yeah starting to people actually live rather than just sort of sleep and their kids go to yeah. school I, you don't see that here you don't see people necessarily going outside New Westminster for the various services and things yeah is that the hummingbird again that is the hummingbird yeah <laughs> um little chirp 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 and it's funny you know that, that? Oh, we yeah. We're in the city right now, but it's totally quiet here, sitting in your garden. Well, it is quiet, although we did hear we hear the sky train, and there's construction just out of a new house down the way and whatnot. Mm. But yeah, it is a bit of an oasis. Yeah. The, the things, you want to know what that is? <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to interrupt, no, but that's we, amazing like, hat. You know, like with this whole bookshelf is is all um, plays and oh. you know there's a whole whole shelf of Shakespeare in this. Can, can you describe what we're looking at? Yeah so we are looking at a sort of vel- brown velvety top hat 
that has some light bulbs sticking out of it and sort of beading and I don't know what would you call that it almost looks like a like a goth like choker a, I would say exactly um, and it has then um, a curved handle and a curved spout so it looks a bit like a teapot right Randy McCormick is the name of the friend who is the artist who does this he's a steampunk artist oh, okay um, he he was a, I think he's retired now, but he was a mortician by trade. Oh no! Way. And uh, he's he's yeah he's also a performer, and he has this fabulous eye. We should go back out to the garden, and I could show you all the things he made out there. But he just collects things and puts them together. So he was for um, the Ovation Awards in Vancouver. He he donated a bunch of top hats. That's his thing, his top hats. He donated a bunch of top hats that he had created, and this one someone bought in the auction and then they didn't pick it up it was inspired by a production of uh, Charles Christmas in Wales that we do as a family Randy came to see the show he was inspired by Charles Christmas in Wales so to me it looks a little bit more like the Mad Hatter's Tea Party that's exactly what I was thinking yeah right I see you've got all these little watch parts and things clock yeah. parts here he said, "What? Well, the person didn't come and pick it up, so I think you should have it. Oh, neat. So, so there it sits. Yeah. The television screen kind of dominates in this room to a certain extent. You know, yeah. the piano is as big. But I have to admit that um, I do watch a fair bit of, you know, Netflix and Amazon Prime and Crave and things f because there's such fantastic television being produced now. Not necessarily in North America, some of it. We, Russell being British, we watch a lot of British television. You know, I watch um, lots of stuff like from Norway and Australia and hmm. just it, the, the fact that we now have this access to all that television that we didn't have 20 years ago yeah. means for me, I have an appreciation for the filmmaking style for the acting of people who don't even speak the same language as I do. Oh, yeah. But they're in the same profession as I am. So I love access to that storytelling. So right. this is actually, this this big screen TV isn't actually an important thing on our walls. Yeah. Yeah. We're going to take a moment to acknowledge our sponsor this season, 100 Braid Street Studios. 100 Braid Street is a co-working art studio for New West and Lower Mainland artists based in a warehouse and former winery on 100 Braid Street, New West. The studio acts as an incubator for emerging artists to move into the professional realm and for professional artists to grow. It encourages out-of-the-box artistic exploration and supports the public through workshops, classes, events, and meetings. It has room for resident artists, companies looking for team building events, new artists, or even couples planning their weddings. Check them out at 100BraidStreetStudios.com. Again, it's not daily practice for me, not the yeah. same way that musicians are, you know? Right. Well, music is its own insanity in that every musician seems to constantly be practicing but to practice acting you don't need a guitar or a piano you you do need to practice the art i mean I, i'm not telling you this you know no, more about acting but than the I difficulty do. is that you generally need someone else to do it with you i see you know imagine if you were 
playing guitar, but you couldn't ever do a guitar solo. You only had to do, you know, duets. Like, if you're recording a scene, you need someone to read the other lines opposite you. So even in that, even in in a submission that isn't, it isn't practice, it's not, it's not rehearsal, you, you still need someone to create, to help you create that, that thing. So is acting a social art? Oh, I would say so. Yeah. What isn't a social art, I guess? <laughs> what? Well, what isn't? I guess, I guess, but I guess, you know, a painter can pretty much hole away in their own in their own studio and even a musician could too you could put together a solo act but there's also solo plays so i know many actors who go well you know what i'm going to create my own one person show i'm going to do it at the fringe festival um i've seen some of those yes (laughs) and they do varying levels of success right some are great and uh and others Others, you just go, it, you know, yeah, it takes a special kind of performer to be able to engage an audience for whatever, 45 minutes, an hour, an hour and a half, some shows are. And you think, wow, for any of us, just to hear one voice talking for that long. Yeah. So I, I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take a conversation in a much more, uh, uh, a, a bit of a jump. What, what makes you wants to be a a theater artist well why did you choose it why do you still choose it every day huh for starters i not i'm not sure that i chose it i think theater is something that chooses you it's yeah it's often just people often describe it as a vocation a, a little similar to the clergy or something you know where you couldn't help yourself there was yeah. there, there wasn't there wasn't any you have there there's a calling i think for so many people when you get into a a, a group of like-minded theater artists you feel at home for me anyway it was it was being amongst finding myself amongst people that really kind of not even thought the same way i did but but where where my my way of thinking or behaving um was no longer a bit odd okay you know yeah and so people talk often in this business about finding the tribe I think one of the reasons that so many people find theater in sort of high school or university or, you know, when they're that age is that that's a time when you're really struggling to fit in. Mm -hmm. And I think that theater is often like a, a collection of misfits. You know, like we really don't fit into society, like most <laughs> yeah. artists, right? Yeah. But, but an artist who's a painter can kind of divorce themselves from society for a certain amount of time, anyway, and be in their own space in their own studio and not worry about other people. That's not true for a theater artist because you have to be. It is, as you say, a social art. You have to be with other people. So to find those other people to be with is 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 a joy it's a it's a revelation it you go wow these these are my people they accept me weird as i am and and 
and they're like me. Some of them are weirder than I am. Wow. <laughs> um, and Yeah, it sounds like, like you could be an artist, but you need something else in the same way that you need theater. That person might need music. Yes, or they might, they might need security. That's the weird thing. That's the thing about theater artists, too. All artists, to a certain degree. But theater artists, because they always need permission to perform, really. Um, I mean, even if you're busking, you need a license. Right? Yeah. <laughs> even if you're standing on a corner singing, you need permission to do so. Um, so because you need permission, you're always waiting for that permission. So the risk involved in putting yourself out there and being told, no, sorry, you're not for us. Right. And the the amount of the blows to the ego, because there is no way to not take that personally. If you if you record something and as an as a musician and you put it out there and they go, mm, don't really like his tone don't really like you know the the riffs don't you know or an artist put something out there and went I don't really like his use of color that's a person responding to the art when you're an actor and you're putting yourself up there and it's your personal voice that's coming from inside you literally your voice it literally (laughs) is your voice it literally is you they don't like the look of you the look of you is not right for their project you can't please everybody mm-hmm. and sometimes it's so outside your control all those decisions are someone somebody else's call and completely outside your control and you're constantly being rejected and the the amount of um the amount of sort of personal fortitude it takes to continually walk through that you know, and it's it's a bizarre thing that we're in a <laughs> in an industry that constantly is telling you you're not good enough. That mm-hmm. somebody who has, you know, some sort of personal image problems will put themselves in a place where they're constantly being told, "Of course, you're not good enough." So the fortitude to withstand that. And continue to to strive to be a storyteller in that um, world. It's it, it's it's not for everyone. So do you do you do it despite that or because of that? Ooh, that's dark. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I mean to say, do you do you are you drawn to the profession? because despite of the rejection this is where your community is you have to do it or or do you find the rejection is something that 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 you can continuously say i'm strong enough to handle this do you know there are some that i go yeah whatever that one was not for me you know and it went to somebody else and i know that person i respect and like that person and i'm really happy for them that they get to to do that storytelling. Yeah. What it has come down to for me, when I was young, it was it was more about getting the gig. Now as I'm older, it really is about the, do I want to be telling that story? Is that something that I really need to do? And there still is a part of me that if I'm asked to audition for something, 
I just go, oh, I'm so thrilled that you would ask me to audition. Oh, gosh. You know, and yeah. you sort of feel, you feel flattered. And sometimes I have to step back and go, yeah, do I, am I really interested in doing that? Is that a project I really want to be involved in? Particularly because none of it, with the exception of some film and TV, you're not making pots of money doing it, right? right. So, so you're always... There's sacrifice involved often. Um, but I think there is the challenge of proving yourself to somebody else and the and this horrible infantile thing of being told you're good enough that mm-hmm. um, that many of us do. But I find at the root of it, for me, it's about storytelling. So the times when I feel most disappointed to have not landed a particular role are the times when I really wanted to be part of telling that story or I wanted to be able to inhabit that character who has something important to say. And those are the times that, that where I feel heartbroken that I didn't get something, regardless of how well-respected the person who got it is or mm. whatever. So getting a... a a huge role that lands you in Hollywood or some huge movie that would just be a yeah like I mean fame could be a acting fame could be a crapshoot as well it absolutely is I've often oh, thought that it absolutely <laughs> is yeah and and so much of you know the right place at the right time the thinking about about luck in in Hollywood or in music I like that thought that it is luck because it makes me want to do the art more in mm. that it makes me not want to be famous because if it's going to happen, it'll happen one right. day. It, or it's it's like it always tends to come back to, like you said, finding a role, finding a band that I just like. And yes. I'm just going to do it no matter what. Just make the music. Yeah, make right? the art. And then make the art. And then and then people who respond to it will, will come to you. And sometimes there are other artists who will say, I like what you do come play with us yeah you know and by play i just mean like play and explore and not right. not just play an instrument but you know i would get the same thing like be in our gang yeah. you know come and come and let's create something together yeah and those are the best times those times when sometimes you're invited along because they see something and they just flat out invite you that's happened for me a few times but other times it's you've auditioned and you've put yourself out there and you're a fit and you know go in committed to doing your best work and and being open to everybody else's work and telling whatever story it is that's there to be told and I I mean I don't know you know you talk about fame and Hollywood and things I don't I don't think I would like that no no I mean do you know as an actor through my whole career security has been Something that you strive for, possibly because it's kind of out of your reach. But I have to say that I know actors who come from families that were, you know, comfortable, independently wealthy. Yeah. And those actors are still trying to get the roles and trying to do their best work and and self-doubting. And that, that doesn't change whether right. your bills are paid or not. Yeah. The the thing about having the bills not paid is that as an actor, you have to often take the other jobs 
in order to keep a roof over your head mm. while you're trying to find the jobs that create that where you get to create art. So there wasn't anything on Colleen's walls, but it was still a delight and an inspiration to chat with her about why she chooses to do what she does every day. Do you know, we could have just pretended, become an actor, we could have just pretended there was things all over the walls, because this is a podcast. Yeah. So. <laughs> the plated ceiling. Oh, that's right, yeah. Sistine Chapel in our living room. You can see a full list of the movies that Colleen has been in, and look out for her next stuff on her IMDb page. Thanks for listening. ArtsNW is made on the unceded traditional territory of the Coast Salish peoples of the Kikite Nation. We are honored to work and live here. I make this show and the music. You can see more of what I do at joelmckenzie.ca. If you want to make a donation for this show to keep it going, and to have your name mentioned at the end of episodes, go to artscouncilnewwest.org slash donate.